0: So I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. This is where we're going to begin. Kind of looking at that why. If you're using one of our Bibles, page 814, there's Bibles scattered across across the room on the tables. But 814, we're going to take a look at this prayer that Paul prays. And so Paul, he was this follower of Jesus, an apostle of Jesus, and he would go around and he would go on these missionary journeys where he would plant churches. And then he would write these letters back to these churches. And these letters would be encouragements, they would be rebukes, There would be a number of things. And uh, what I love about Paul is he would say all of these things and then he would take a moment to pause and pray. All throughout his letters, he takes a moment to pause and to pray. And this is, this is one of Paul's prayers for this church in Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. He's writing this letter. Verse 13 is where we're gonna begin. Verse 13, Ephesians chapter one. He says, and you also... And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Verse 15, for this reason, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So Paul, he's writing this letter to a group of Christians in the first century. And he's speaking to them with a certain, just certainty about Jesus. This is Paul's basic message. Hey, you have been saved by the blood of Jesus. Like salvation is yours. He says, you believed and you were marked by the Holy Spirit. He says, you've been branded, essentially, by the Holy Spirit. It's the same language they would use that an owner would brand his cattle. Saying, hey, you are God's possession. Like, God is yours and you are his. And he's unpacking these amazing truths about who they already are in Christ. He's reminding them, he's rejoicing with them about this good news that we have about Jesus. And Paul, he's so overjoyed. He, he says, I cannot stop giving thanks. Have you ever been so thankful that you cannot stop giving thanks to someone? And he's thankful because he sees what he and they have in Jesus. And as I read this passage this week, as I was just reading this prayer this week, I, I couldn't help but think of our church family. I couldn't help but think of all of, all of you. Thinking, hey, if Paul were to write A letter to us, Hey Ethos Church in Nashville, Tennessee. He he would begin with this just rejoicing. He would begin with this um, joy about who we are in Jesus. And yet what Paul does next, like what Paul does next, what he says next is kind of surprising a little bit. Verse 17. Verse 17, follow along. He says, I keep asking, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father, May give you, he says, two things. May give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. He asked for a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. So that, so that you may know him better. That's his prayer. So that you may know him better. He continues his prayer, verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or may be opened so that in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The hope to which he has called you. Number one. Two, his incomparably, sorry, number two, the riches of his glorious inheritance. And then number three, his incomparably great power. His incomparably great power. That power is the same as the mighty strength that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the heavenly realms at the right hand of God. This is Paul's prayer. And we have already established, hey, this is a group of believers who love Jesus, who are following Jesus, who love God, who know God. And Paul is telling me, he says, hey, there's more. He's praying that they would know God more. And this word know is really significant, that they would know God. It's this word that actually means a a knowing through an experience. It's a knowing something or someone through experiencing, through experiencing. He's talking about an experiential knowing, not not a knowing of the mind, but this knowing of of the heart. There's There's this implied intimacy almost that Paul's hinting at. He's saying, it's possible to not just know God, but to experience a relationship with Him, to have intimacy with Him. It's possible to not only know that you're saved in in your head, in your mind, but but to feel it and experience the fullness of being saved in your heart. This is why Paul, he goes on to say, say, hey, the eyes of your heart, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. This implies that there's two sets of eyes. He's praying that they would truly know. They would truly know and feel the fruit of deep intimacy with God. Things that previously maybe felt like abstract ideas would begin to feel like a reality that they're actually walking in. The reality of what Paul is talking about, the hope which we have, The riches of our glorious inheritance. The power, the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in us. And yet I think he knows there's a disconnect here because he's praying for more, a deeper understanding. So I was kind of asking these questions this week. Do you you ever get tired of in your head knowing the hope you have in Christ? but when your head kinda hits the pillow at night, feeling hopeless? Do you ever grow weary in knowing that you are supposed to trust God with all of who you are, all of your finances, the the God whose riches are never ending and yet you find yourself in constant worry about a financial situation or your job? Do you find yourself growing weary about singing songs about the power of God and yet feeling completely crippled by the broken world around us. And this prayer that Paul prays here in Ephesians, this is, this is our prayer as a church family, that, that, that we would know God better, not just know him better, that we would experience the fruit of intimacy with the God who loves us uncontrollably. That we would know him to the place where these abstract unattainable ideas start to become things that we're actually living and experiencing in our everyday lives and so Jesus he tells us he says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness they will be filled I believe those words I believe those words of Jesus those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled but I also think Most of us never hunger and thirst for righteousness because we've been trained to to feast on the world around us, the junk food of our culture. So I've been asking myself, is it even possible to hunger for Jesus if our souls are currently satisfied with far lesser things? If we're holding on to far lesser things? So how are we as a church family? How are we going to let go of the things of this world that aren't necessarily bad but aren't quite as important? And how are we gonna hold on to the one, the one who is the king, the one who saved our hearts? I wanna talk a little bit about the what. So the, that's why that's that's why we're doing this as a church family that's why we're spending 30 days of intentionally praying and fasting together but I want to talk a little bit about the what and we're gonna kind of get into um, maybe some questions that you have been been asking okay so what what does this actually look like what does this actually mean for me and my family or whoever it might be but before we get to the what I want to spend a few moments kind of talking about some tensions that you might be feeling. You might have already felt them since I started talking. You're probably gonna feel them as I keep talking or as you have been preparing for this and reading for this, maybe some tensions that you've been wrestling with uh, yourself. I know me and Kilo talked about a few of them um, this week. Hey, so here's some of the tensions I'm, I'm feeling. And so I just wanna name them because there's something about naming tensions that kinda disarms. And so one, this first tension is this public versus private this public versus private tension as we think about 30 days of prayer and fasting together. So Jesus says, he, very clearly, he says, if you want people to think that you're super spiritual, if you want people to think really highly of you, just go ahead and let them know that you're fasting. <laughs> if you want your reward to be in, in the worldly realms, just go ahead and let people know you're fasting. But then he says, hey, there is a reward but that reward that is awaiting you with prayer and fasting is a reward that is, it's in the private. It Talks about prayer like this as well. It says go to your closet and pray and there, there you will be rewarded. But let's be honest, it's really difficult to enact change in our lives if there's not a sense of accountability. If There's not the sense of like, hey, I'm in this with some other people. And so Jesus, he wasn't saying, hey, lie at all costs. I don't think Jesus would ever say that. He's not saying, hey, lie at all costs, let no one know that you're fasting and what you're fasting from. I think he was getting at our heart's tendency, and the big theme of this will be our heart, at our heart's tendency to compare, our heart's tendency to boast. And so there's this public versus private tension that he's wrestling with. And I would encourage you, Whatever God reveals as your next step, as you've kind of sought and prayed and thought about this, and maybe you haven't, as you do that this week, I want to just encourage you, whatever it is, I invite you to share it with somebody. Maybe a small group of people, a friend, a spouse, whoever it might be, someone you trust. Invite what God is specifically calling you into. But kind of stop there. Uh, Don't feel this... um, pressure to share it with, with the whole world, because I think the enemy would like to come in and start to sow seeds of inadequacy in comparison. And we don't want him to have any room, um, any room in this church family. So that's that first tension, public versus private. The second one is grace versus discipline. This tension of grace versus discipline. I don't know if any of you ever struggle with this in any realm of your life. Where, where, where do I need to be disciplined? Where do I need to give myself grace? Grace. There's some things in the midst of this journey uh, that, let's be honest, we're probably going to come up short on. (laughs) I don't know about you, I'm not, I'm not perfect. So think about it in a different context. So in marriage, you can't just simply say, I do, and then coast, and then expect your relationship to be filled with all of this intimacy. You have to you have to do some things. You have to make yourself available. You have to make yourself emotionally uncovered. You have to learn how to listen. Learn how to listen. You have to invest time and energy and be very intentional. So fasting and praying like this for 30 days is going to require us to rearrange some things. To reinvest some time towards intimacy with God. But this isn't a season just for hard-nosed discipline, just for hard-nosed discipline's sake. Like, that's, that is not at all why we're doing this. By God's grace, we want to pursue Him with our discipline. And when we fail, and when we fall, and we mess up, and we fall short, hey, there is grace. Just stand back up, take another step forward. There is grace in the midst of this discipline. Third tension, this mystery versus certainty. Mystery versus certainty. This last tension kind of speaks into the fact that spiritual disciplines are not a formula. You hear me? Like spiritual disciplines are not a formula. There's a mystery with all of this. It's not pray plus Fast equals a specific set of experiences with God. That's just not true. And that's tough. It's tough for me. Like, it's tough for me because, like, I really love to know the outcomes of things. In our culture, I think we grasp very tightly to certainty, we hold on very tightly to control. We want to know where we're going, what to expect, what it's going to look like and the outcome of all of those things. And the reality of it is we have to be able to be okay with a certain mystery of what we're getting ready to step into. We're going to posture ourselves in ways to hear from God, to be with God, to allow him to enter our hearts and lives in maybe ways he hasn't before. And there's going to be this temptation to push back on things that maybe we're not certain about. And so we're all gonna need to just embrace together as a family, just the, the, the mystery of what we're getting ready to step into. So those are three tensions you might've been feeling or might feel as you kind of continue this journey. I wanna speak specifically about, okay, so, so what? Like, well, what, what is ethos asking uh, us to do as a church family? First thing is pray. So for these 30 days, we're inviting you to pray every single day. And there's this prayer calendar online that has specific things that we're gonna be praying about each and every day, this way of just unifying us. I love the thought of all of us praying the same thing scattered all across the city, praying every day together the same things, this way of just unifying who we are in Jesus. So one is pray, and the second is to fast. We want everyone to take their next step in regards to fasting, your next step, your next step. Now, maybe you've never heard of fasting or maybe you've heard of it a little bit, but you're not really sure about what it is or what it involves. So I wanna give you a quick snapshot of what fasting is and why we're fasting as a church, why specifically we're doing this. So if you haven't yet, Listen to Dave's audio book, or if you like to read, uh, you can read his ebook. Download it, print it off if you hate trees. But listen to, listen to the audio book. Read the ebook. It really, honestly, will help you understand this in a way that will make this season together as a church so much more fruitful. But I want to give you a couple quick things right now. So to put it as simple as possible, what is fasting? It is simply abstaining from food, sometimes today in our culture, something else, for a spiritual purpose. And if we're honest, this doesn't really sound that desirable, right? (laughs) Like I love to eat, you know, why why would you want to, why would you not want to eat? And it was something so common in their time, yet it is something so foreign to us as a church culture, as, as a church today. So why would we do this? Why are we doing this? And the purpose, the purpose is to loosen our dependence on a world of material things so that we can move our focus from the physical to the spiritual. Not that material things are bad or evil, but they often will hinder us from intimacy with God, from focusing on God. In the e book, Dave talks about Thomas Aquinas. He's an early church father, and this is how how he defined or talked about fasting. He says, Fasting is a quieting of our impulses. He says, It's a quieting of our impulses. It is meant to allow us to see and hear things as they most truly are. A quieting of our impulses. To see and hear things. As they most truly are. So fasting is a way of us leveraging, leveraging our physical hunger to awaken us to a deeper spiritual hunger. We're so programmed, I'm so programmed at least to gratify every craving I have instantly, immediately. And this is a way of us just saying, hey, we're going to say no to some physical cravings as an expression of a physical spiritual craving to God and we really believe as a church that this season of fasting will allow us to retune our hearts retune our hearts desire for the sake of more intimacy with God now I know some of you are thinking like is he seriously asking me not to eat for like 30 days straight no That's not what we're asking. Once again, the e-book. But I do real quickly wanna talk about uh, four different kinds of fasts, just so we can all kinda be on the same page. Don't get lost with me in the logistics here as I walk through these. One is a major fast. Major fast, that is abstaining from food and or drink for 24 consecutive hours or more. So if this is your first time fasting, this is probably not going to be your starting point. Major fast. Second one's a minor fast. This is when you abstain from food or drink for a period of time during the day. So it might be sun up to sundown. It might be a specific meal. And in a minor fast, you typically will drink lots of fluids and liquids during the course of the day. And then you have a partial fast. So major fast, minor fast. Then you have a partial fast. And a partial fast is when you abstain from certain types of foods or maybe a specific type of meal over the course of your fast. And then you have a soul fast. And technically speaking in the Bible, it doesn't talk about a soul fast, but many people today will choose to fast from things other than food as well. So this could be TV, this could be social media, this could be other activities so that you can focus more fully on on God. And I was talking with Cyrus and Nicole this week, and we were talking about this, and we kind of started talking about soul fasts. And we're like, if Paul were writing this letter today, he would probably include our consumption of media in the letter. Like he would probably include the things that are filling our time. Because when you look, the, the amount of time they spent prepping and preparing and centered around meals filled up their time and their purpose. And so as you think about what you're fasting from, I wanna encourage you to think about, hey, what is consuming the amount of time and energy that I'm expending? Where where is that? And so we're inviting you to take your next step in this area. Not my next step, not your friend's next step, not your spouse's next step. Where, Where is your next step? For some of you, it is a huge deal for you to be At church this morning it's a huge deal that you you started coming back to church at the beginning of the year we do not in any way shape or form want this to make you feel unwelcome or like you have to fit into certain practices so that you can be a part of our church family we want you to take your next step and for you it might be continuing to come week in and week out as we do this together I also wanna say, if you have questions about this, if you have questions about what this means for you, come ask us, come find me, come find Brandon, come find Chris, find, find anybody and ask us. And for those of you who have fasted before, you, you might try something a little bit different. You might do a minor fast for a couple days in the first two weeks and then figure out, oh yeah, I, I see what this is about. And then step into maybe three or four days. You may decide to do, hey, I'm going to do a 30-day minor fast. Or you might say, hey, I'm giving up a combination of Netflix and doing a partial fast. It's going to look different. It's really going to look different for all of us. And all the steps we are taking, all the steps we are taking are going to look different. And no one step, no one step is any more spiritual or better than, than the step the person next to you is taking. And that's the truth. And I want you all to hear that. There is no one step that is better or more spiritual than the other. If we all get before God and ask him what he's inviting us into, I believe we will each be able to take our own next step in intimacy with God. And as gently as I can encourage you in this, This should feel like a stretching process. This should feel like something that's stretching you because there's something about stretching us that places us with an ability to see and hear from God in ways that we wouldn't if if we're not stretched. So I want to talk about kind of some actual hows. So we kind of talked about the what, the tensions, but let's talk about the how. How do you prepare for this? Like what are the practical things? We're gonna kind of bring it even more down to the ground. We're talking about preparing your heart, preparing your body, and preparing your mind. Preparing your heart, your body, and your mind. Hang with me, we're almost done. Preparing your heart. Ultimately, a fast of this nature, it's about your heart. We're not fasting for health reasons or because we want to diet, but because we want the eyes of our hearts to be opened. We want the eyes of our hearts to be opened. This is about our hearts as a church family. So just as you would prepare for any sort of major physical feat like a marathon, there there are some steps that are probably smart to take for us as, as we prepare for Um, an encounter with God. So this is how Jesus, this is how Jesus would instruct people to prepare. Whenever he would preach, this is what he would say. He would say, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Pretty simple, right? If repentance is turning towards God and away from things that are not God, then we have to acknowledge before God that there are some things that we need to turn away from. This is called confession. So I really want to encourage you as you prepare your heart, spend some time confessing and repenting. Let's not make this too complicated. If you know there's a place in your heart, an area in your heart that is not in align with God, find a friend, find a spouse, find someone you trust, find one of us, and spend some time just confessing those things. James, it tells us, he says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. And in the very next chapter, James, he says, confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. There's something to this. The humility of confession and repentance, it opens our hearts up. Opens our hearts up for what God wants to fill it with. So that's just a little bit of how you can prepare your heart for this journey together. Talk about how to prepare your body. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this um, because there's other resources online, the ebook, uh, the blog that talk very specific about how to prepare your body. So for those of you that end up fasting from food, there's some things that you need to know. It can actually take a physical toll on your body. And so going into this in a way that you're more prepared is going to be a good thing. And so some very simple things. If you drink coffee all the time and you're addicted to caffeine, you're going to want to start withdrawing from that caffeine slowly so that when those hunger pains start to come, you're not also fighting caffeine withdrawals if you choose to fast from coffee. Uh, You're not going to want to gorge yourself the, the days leading up I know you may think opposite. All right, I'm going to fill my tummy as full as I can, like for a week straight. Golden Corral for a week. (laughs) No, that's not actually what you need to do. You actually need to start um, eating fruits and vegetables and drinking more water to make sure you're hydrated. So that's preparing your body. Lastly, preparing your mind. Preparing your mind. And this is really about making a plan because it's important to make a plan sometimes. This is something you can cling to in the certainty versus mystery aspect of this all. I do this all the time, so I'll say every once in a while, I wanna get up early and work out, go to the gym. Not with Dale, because he goes at 5.30. But I wanna get up early and work out at the gym, and then I find myself, one, struggling to get up that morning, Struggling to find clothes that I can actually go to the gym in because they're in a really inconvenient drawer. Struggling to know, okay, so what actually exercise am I going to be participating in? Like, haven't even thought through it. So then I find myself the next morning and it's like, well, I don't know where my clothes are and I don't know what I'm going to eat before or after. And you find yourself and you're like, well, I just might not even go, you know? (laughs) Just me, I guess. But there's something different, that happens, something different that happens when you lay out your clothes and you already prepare uh, the meal that you're going to eat after you work out. And you already plan, hey, I'm going to run on the treadmill and etc. whatever you people do at the gym. <laughs> there's something about success that comes from a plan. And so here's some things I'm, I'm going to invite you to just ask yourself this week as you're thinking through this. How specifically is your day going to look different? How is your, how's your day going to look different? So say you're fasting from, from lunch one day. How is that time on that day going to look different? How are you going to spend it? Because the point is not to not eat to then like be on Twitter, right? You have to think about how you're going to be spending, spending this time. If you're fasting from certain foods, are those foods like the first thing you're gonna see in your pantry like are those Twinkies gonna be like calling your name (laughs) Steve you like Twinkies if you're giving up on social media (coughs) social media what am I gonna do with that time like what are you going to do when you get home and you can't turn on Netflix like Actual things that I've started to be like processing. It's okay. You can delete the app. I know it's going to hurt, but like you can delete, you can delete the app. Preparing your, your mind is something that is simple as just knowing the, the, the plan you have. How are you going to be spending that time? And I wanna give you four action steps as we, as we, when we leave today. In fact, you can probably do some of these in, in our time together. Uh, one, download the prayer calendar. If you haven't downloaded the prayer calendar, I wanna invite you to download the prayer calendar. It's online. Once again, if you hate trees, you can print off the prayer calendar. Second, I wanna invite you to download the ebook or download the audio book and read it or listen to it second thing with God sorry those were two combined that was one. Second thing is with God spend some time discerning this week spend some time with the Lord discerning w- what it is that this 30-day fast is gonna look like for you third thing I want to invite invite you to invite your friends some of you may be thinking this might be a really weird time to invite friends to be a part of what we're doing but I I, I would argue with what we're gonna be doing collectively under one roof together, it might be a really natural time to invite your friend to come to the Ryman, to come to TPAC. So third, invite your friends. Fourth, I wanna invite you next week to come early. Doors open at five, which you'll hear in a second again. Doors open at five and from five to six is gonna be this time of of prayer, just kind of preparing the space and, and the room together. I want to invite you to come early, number four. Spend time just preparing, preparing the room in prayer. As we head to communion, I just think about, hey, this is our last time together as a Marathon family. Not ever, but f- for the next few weeks. This is our last time together with maybe folks that you typically will, will share, share with and pray with. And so I want to invite us to really take advantage of the next portion of our, of our time together. If there are things that I talked about that you need to go ahead and start processing with God, with someone, let's do it. Let's not leave this place and put it on the back burner. Let's go ahead and start taking advantage of this time we have this morning. Do you need to spend time with God? You and God, kind of discerning your next step. Do you need to share your next step with a friend? Do you need to find someone that can kind of hold you accountable? Do you need to spend some time just confessing and repenting and getting your heart ready for this time with our church family? Find me, find find someone at the Respond Banner. We would love to pray with you. Find your spouse, find a friend, spend some time just confessing and repenting Let's, let's make the most of our time together here this morning so that we can most fully live into all that God has for us as a church family in these 30 days together. I realize, like, you all are in different places. You all have received this information differently. You're all in a different walk, different phase in your walk with Jesus. And I want you to know, no matter where you are, like, and no matter where you find yourself, there is, there is a next step available for you and the Lord. Like, there is. He loves you. Like, He loves you. He is excited about being with you. He is excited about speaking to you and hearing from you. Like, the God of the universe loves you. He loves you. He loves to hear from you. He loves to hear your voice. And he cannot wait to meet you in the midst of this journey. That is true for every single person in here. I'm going to pray. Let's head to communion together. Continue worshiping. Lord, we... um, We know that your ways are higher, that your ways are better, that that as much as we strive and strain to do things within our own power and with our own might and in our own ways, we can't seem to find the the deep joy that we're searching for. God, I know that's sometimes found when we let go of all the things that we're striving and running towards and just letting you fully come in, God. There's something about the simplicity, Father, of just sitting and being and allowing your love to completely wash over and speak truth into who we are in your eyes. And so, Lord, I just ask any spirit of striving and straining uh, that anyone has in this space that we'll have over the next four weeks, God, will you just completely remove that from us? Uh, Will you completely remove any spirit of competition or comparison? God, in, in Jesus' name, I just ask the enemy would be removed from every situation and scenarios in people's lives over the next five weeks together. Lord, will you increase in us the sense of just humble expectation of what life with you looks like and can be like. God, you're good. You're good. Your love is infinite. Your, your love is abounding in ways that we will never literally never be able to know Eh, but God we're asking that you would just give us a glimpse of that so that when our minds know how loved we are that our hearts will actually know how loved we are in your eyes Father for those of you in this place this morning that maybe just feel disconnected from God I just want to spend a couple moments just praying for you uh, Father I know you know the people in here who think this sounds miserable like this sounds like nothing I want to be a part of I'm so far from you God like I am honestly kind of mad and frustrated at you God and Lord for the people that are far and frustrated God will you in just your grace and your mercy draw them into draw them into your love, draw them into your grace, draw them into your mercy. Lord, for for those of us in this room that will make this into something that we will simply grit ourselves through for 30 days so that we can get to the end, God, will you just break break that lie, (laughs) break that lie that this is something that we can just Strive and strain towards and grit our teeth and get through, Lord, will you just open up our hearts to, to receive the grace and the goodness that will come as we just give you our hearts? Holy Spirit, I know you're, you're working in the midst of this room in ways um, that, we, that we all can't see. <laughs> but I know you're working. And so, Lord will you begin to reveal in us the places that we need to repent from, the areas in our hearts that we need to confess to a friend or a spouse? Lord, will you begin to reveal in us what it is that we need to let go of so that we can just fully hold on to you, Lord? God, you're good love us we love you um, thank you for the gift of this space and these people this morning Jesus it's in your name I pray amen